No, with 100% more F-bombs. No, just more feeling. The F stands for feeling. (laughs) Welcome to the Misfit Stars podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I am Jamie Hill. Hi, everyone. It's so good to be here with you. And hi, Shannon. Hi. We are a married pair of working artists. Mm -hmm. I am a uh, record producer and I mix records. I work with a lot of other musical artists in a variety of capacities. I'm a songwriter and a performer Mm -hmm. and other stuff. You write things too. Yeah. And this podcast is a place for us to talk about what's important to us this week. Yeah. It's like a weekly date. Yeah. Where we talk to each other and also our community. Mm Mm-hmm. About stuff that matters to us. Yeah, it's like it's like we're dating our community, <laughs> which yeah. is not weird. That's not weird at all. No, it's nice. Cool. Okay, great. Well, yeah. let's, let's do the podcast. Okay. So, <laughs> hey, uh, do you have any announcements? I have one announcement. 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 What? Well, it's, I only have one. You so. kind of segued into the song and made it singu- single I did. as opposed to plural. Well, it's only one announcement. There aren't announcements. There's only one announcement. Wow. So, Big anyway. changes. I love it. Right. Okay. Um, So my one announcement is this. You may have heard, you all out there listening in the wide world, that we are starting a new album project. We put out the first song for that new album project last week. It's called Take It If You Want It. And it kicks ass. Thank you. Uh, The album project um, is sort of summed up in that song. That song's kind of a thesis statement for the album project, which is really all about the idea of cultivating peace of mind doesn't that sound nice? Doesn't and, it really? <laughs> and everyone just pause for a moment and think about. <laughs> remember when you used to have peace of mind? That was great. Remember that? Remember when you were seven? Uh, yeah. Um, so cultivating peace of mind and and grabbing hold of genuine agency in difficult times. And if you haven't noticed, we're living in difficult times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have been over the last number of months really feeling a need in my personal life to do some like deep dive work personally Mm -hmm. to figure out how to free myself up to actually have peace of mind in the midst of all this and also free myself up to be able to actually do the things I can do to affect change amidst the stuff that I'm feeling fearful, angry, worried about, all Mm -hmm. those things, right? So that's, that's the reason for this album project. It's really because it's something that I wanted to do personally and you know, when I write songs, it is a place, it's a venue for me to actually really work through a lot of personal stuff. Yeah. A lot. That's what. That's really what I've been doing with my songwriting for the last many years mm-hmm. now. And I thought, gosh, wouldn't it be interesting to open up this, this an, an opportunity for our community to join me in this journey? Because like, I don't know what these songs are going to be. Like I, I wrote and put out the first song. The second song is done actually, but we're not, we, it'll be coming out like next week sometime. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I go, this, this is kind of unfolding before me as I'm doing this personal work and then I'm doing these creative projects with the personal work. It's all kind of happening in real time. And I thought it'd be really interesting if, if folks wanted to come along with me in real time and do that journey for themselves. And mm. so the announcement, I'm getting to it. I really am. The announcement is that um, I've invited folks to join me on this sort of like parallel journaling journey of their own. Journeyling. A journaling. Journey, journaling. Journey. I don't know. It's not working. It's not working at all. We, we should have workshopped that one. Yeah. Anyway, to do this, do their own process um, 
in their own lives, in their own way. Maybe it's journaling. Maybe it's going on walking meditations. Maybe it's engaging in some creative effort. Maybe it's screaming at your kid. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> but it, but doing it on their own in parallel with me doing my stuff and the way that that's going to functionally work is that I'm I'm literally, I have I literally set out for myself in each step of this journey, a series of questions and prompts that I'm writing I'm journaling, I'm freeform journaling uh, answers to, digging into my feelings about stuff, digging into motivations, digging into what's going on internally. Um, and then when I when I'm done journaling, I pull my lyrics, my song lyrics out Whoa. of that journal, and that becomes the song. People, just so you know, you don't have to subsequently pull oh, lyrics no, no, no. from what you journal. Definitely That's not. Shannon's personal like spin on it, and she uses it as part of her creative yeah, process. Yeah. But the point of the journal prompts for you is just to give you a structured way yeah. to examine how you're feeling about exactly. things. So I, but and you can keep it personal. Exactly. Functionally speaking, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to every couple of weeks-ish send you, if you decide to do this with us, the prompts and questions that I'm starting with, and you can do with them whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's a personal yeah. journey. Um, if you want to share them with me, I'm open to that. Like share with me like the-, the Or me. Yeah, or Jamie, like the, the results of your exploration. Love to hear it, but Maybe also, something comes up for you and you just want someone yeah. to talk about it with, but it's like in a private way, you could do that. no requirement to do that at all. It is really a choose your own adventure, you know, sort of thing. And the response so far has felt really exciting and encouraging. Totally. So far, there's, I think, last count was close to 50 people that had signed up to receive these questions and prompts. And I'm- That's amazing. I'm really encouraged by that. Like, I, I you know, I know that this is a topic that's I need to explore. You never know if other people are feeling the need for it too. You know, like, we often feel like we're all out, out there alone yeah. in our struggles, well, and, you, you know, know? You and I, each because of our sobriety and recovery work, have formalized practices in our own lives where we think through stuff like this on purpose, right? but not everybody does. True. I think you and I really maybe take it for granted. And so for there to be so many other people who are like, yeah, mm. this is something I really need to invite into my life in a mm. more intentional way, mm -hmm. feels really like encouraging. Yeah, totally. I'm so is. excited to be part of a community of people who want to go deeper inside themselves yes. and like figure out how they're feeling and what's going on totally. and try to improve their lives. Totally, yeah. totally. So if you want to be part of this, this is the whole reason for the announcement is if you want this in your life and mm. you've not yet told me you want to be part of this sort of like parallel journaling journey while I'm making this new record. It's almost like journaling therapy, and, but like personal kind yeah, of. Yeah, totally. You know, Self-guided journaling therapy. Yes. If Private. You Right. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to do this, I just need you to send me need you to send me an email. Uh, you can email me Shannon at misfitstars.com mm -hmm. and I will put you on my list of folks to get the prompts and questions as we go. I plan to perhaps send out like a preliminary first correspondence for this to this group later this week. Whoa. And then we're gonna actually get going in a more concerted way, probably by, by next week. So to coincide with song two. Yeah. Ooh, how exciting. I know. And by the way, song two is so killer. <laughs> I'm so excited for everybody to hear it. You don't even know. Like, take it if you want it. Song one, great. I love it so much. Uh, just a big, like, high octane sugar blast with a good, serious message. It's really <laughs> wonderful all the way around. But this next one, song two, just different level I'm for me. So glad you it's, like it. It's real deep mm -hmm. and it's heavy and it's just real cool. Yeah. yeah. So that's the end of my announcement. Well, that's great. Yeah. Very, very Jamie. good announcement. How are you feeling today? Oh, thanks for asking, sweetheart. Uh, you know, I wrote down two things from our feelings list. Okay. Uh, the first is tender. I have just been feeling very mm. tender toward you mm. for the past couple of days, few mm. days. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know why. I mean, aside from, you know, 
the, the sort of overarching umbrella of Why would thing. I feel tender toward you? Ew. Ew, my wife? <laughs> my wife. My <laughs> wife. Yeah. Uh, you know, aside from the overarching umbrella of you being my life partner who I care about more than any other person in the world, you know, uh, it's just been sort of just an extra little sort of tender core at the center of it for me lately. Aww. Which is just That's neat nice. to feel. It's nice, yeah. Um, so there's that. Uh, and yeah, I'm just being mushy and sharing it on the air. Because, <laughs> you know, got to be honest. That's how I'm feeling. one of the ways I'm feeling. The other way I'm feeling is right now a little uncomfortable. Mm. Um, you all who are listening wouldn't know this, but we had to start this podcast twice. <laughs> um, and then we had to do an edit three minutes into the second one. Just And I think it's probably because I'm feeling a little uncomfortable and I'm being a little snappy. Oh. Uh, and I'm trying not to be snappy, yeah. but sometimes you can't control everything, including how you act. Um, <laughs> Wait. You know. <laughs> yeah. It's true. <laughs> so... Uh, and I think it's just because I have to like reach out to all these radio people. I talked a bit about oh. this last week, uh, and I've just been like working on that this week. Did I even talk about it last yes, week? Yes, you did. This was yeah. part of your feelings. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, uh, you know, I'll probably actually, I've, I've done all the homework for it, and I just have to actually sort of put it all together and just start sending this suite of emails carefully crafted to which I'm expecting zero, zero positive response, mm. you know? And that is just, it feels dumb. It also feels like, it's one of those weird things where as long as I don't do it, it could potentially work out. But as soon as I do it, ah. then it probably won't. And so there's that weird, I'm in that weird liminal spot where there's all the dreams and imaginings of what if we, had, we could actually have a song of Shannon's do really well on the radio in a bunch of places, and that started something. But it probably won't happen because that sort of thing doesn't happen to people like us but you're, by design. But you're doing this because it feels like the right thing to do. It feels like it would be it would be dumb not to take this one radio success we've had mm -hmm. and and try to make it into something more than that. Like my uncle said to me when I was a kid, if you don't ask, the answer's always no. Mm -hmm. And so we got to ask. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it would be stupid not to. Mm -hmm. I kind of know what the answer's going to be. Right. But... If you don't ask, it's for sure going to be no. Mm. So, you know, best foot forward and all that. But I feel uncomfortable about it. Okay. Uh, and annoyed and, I don't know, annoyed almost trivializes it too much. It really is more like uncomfortable. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, when you're asking, like you're, if your uncle said, when you don't ask, the answer is always no. But the, our, the, the act of asking itself is a vulnerable act. And of course that makes, that. I mean, it, it makes sense to me that it would make you feel uncomfortable. Um, like, it, it, that's, that seems natural. Yep, good. Yeah. So I'm doing great. <laughs> you're, you're being human. I'm right where I should it's be. All the, it's all good. And I want to place this on a large, larger context that I'm, I'm fine overall. Yeah. You know, everything's good. Everything's fine. We're working. We're cranking away. Uh, Shannon's writing good songs. I'm pleased about how they're coming out of my studio. It's all good. <laughs> it's fine. We're surrounded by loving, caring people. We're starting on a project that I think is going to help and be of service to people. It's all good. Every, hey, everything's fine. You know, on the note of feeling uncomfortable chewing something new and a little bit out of the box and whatever, like it's that 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 seems to be honestly e even if nothing comes of this particular campaign that you're launching mm -hmm. it seems to be that that kind of behavior the putting yourself out there like it's it's essentially setting yourself up for potential rejection which sure. is like i understand that that's like a, that's vulnerable but that is like at the heart of the work we do as artists mm -hmm. it's also at the heart of the work we do just as humans to, to show up in the world. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it is really, that is, those are the moments that like, that, that 
where we where we build courage to do those things that that keep us alive, that keep us moving forward. You know what I mean? I, I saw this um, this clip online earlier, like an Instagram video of an actress that's taking on a new role, and it was a it's a role that she felt convinced was 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 hers to to do. Like mm-hmm. she she knew, and the reason that she knew it was hers to do was because she's scared of scared to death of failing. Yes, yeah, right. Right? And and so really like that probably that feeling is an indication that this is exactly what you/we ought to be doing right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it is probably exactly right. And that doesn't mean that the outcome will be what we hope it is mm. at all. The point of it is to sort of get through that that period of discomfort and do it scared. Yeah. Right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Good words, Shannon. Thanks. So how are you feeling? Okay, so I'm feeling, I have three things. Three things. Um, Wow, lots of feelings over there on the couch. Yeah. Uh, One is that I'm feeling absorbed. Mm. (laughs) I love the feelings list because I come across a word and I'm like, yes, that's it. Yeah. I'm feeling absorbed Mm -hmm. with the the next new song that I have begun writing for this new album project. Yes, you are very preoccupied with new song. I am. I get into this phase where like when some, especially when something is just forming, and the ideas are just coalescing mm-hmm. that I can't really think about much else. No. <laughs> like, I'm, I go to sleep thinking about it. I'm thinking about it while I'm eating. I'm mm-hmm. thinking about it while I'm doing other things. I'm, my mind is just like, but that's what my mind does. It's just constantly churning on this stuff. Um, which And it's great because then when I, like later today, I'm going to head up to my studio and continue actually working on this. And you'll have so much stuff kind of that's been percolating that will come out. Exactly. It's good. So I'm, I'm absorbed. I feel, also I feel tickled. <laughs> tickled, tickled, kind of in a pleased, you know, tickled kind of way, uh, because of the experience that we had this last week with um, when we were sitting around listening to the radio while we were doing some computer work mm-hmm. and hearing that our song on the, this radio station that we've been being played on ninety four nine the bridge yeah. in Astoria, Oregon, uh, that they had this little spot that came on that so like, that they were highlighting the most up, the top five most upvoted songs by their listeners. Yeah. And we were in the top five. Like they played a little snippet of our song alongside Adele and Elvis Costello. And I can't remember who else. John Mayer Mayer. and maybe Band of Horses. Just huge, huge artists. (laughs) Huge, huge artists. It was just. Which one of these things is not like the other. What's the song go? Which one of these kids is doing his own thing? Isn't there a song also on Sesame Street about there being an odd man out? I don't know. No. It's, I mean, it is this. Yes. Anyway. That is the song. But anyway. Um. I was. I'm just tickled. I, it happened. We heard it on the radio last Friday, and I still just feel like tickled by the whole thing. So there's that. And then my third feeling is I'm also feeling a bit vulnerable, um, not with regard to the the radio outreach that you're that you're about to launch into doing. Um, I actually feel pretty sanguine about that, um, but I feel vulnerable just in like there's a sense of uncertainty that I have about how the next few months are going to go in my life, in my world. Um, and it's not a bad thing. It's just that I know that my, I know for myself when things feel uncertain, I just feel a little bit vulnerable. Sure. And, and so, you know, specifically the, the you know, there, there are some like scheduling things that you and I are sort of having to piece together. And like, I know it's going to work out just fine, but like my, 
my insides are like, how's it all going to come together? You know, with <laughs> various other projects you're doing and this yeah. project we're doing. And then also just the uncertainty of the, that I, I've sort of set out for myself in this album project. Right. Like I don't By design. really, yeah, I don't really know exactly where it's going yet. I have some idea, <laughs> but, but the fact of not having, you know, a, an etched in stone plan just makes me feel a little bit vulnerable. And again, like I said, not in a bad way. Like I think it's okay to be in this space, trying to just kind of lean into it a little bit. And, you know. I found the Sesame Street song that talks specifically about you being in a top five list with Adele and John Mayer. Oh, great. And it's this one. These things is not like the others. One of these things doesn't belong. <laughs> well, there you go. Now we know. That's yeah. wonderful. So good. So should we fire up the good news machine? Oh heck yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Good news. What do you have? I have actually two things on I my do list. Too. Yep. Oh, okay. Well, you go first. Okay, I we will. We can go back and forth, maybe. Great. So, my first thing is that uh, Democrats in New York State approved a congressional map that's going to net Democrats plus three seats. Hey, that's good news. It is good news. And here's why it's good news. It's it's conditional good news, yeah, right? Because right. It, what it is is gerrymand- gerrymandering. The Democrats gerrymandered themselves three seats. Partisan gerrymandering. Yes. yes. And so... The big picture is that partisan gerrymandering is not a good thing. It's bad. That said, (laughs) uh, the Republican Party is hell-bent on institutionalizing the very idea of partisan gerrymandering. It's really the only reason that there is as much Republican political power as there is. They're overwhelmingly unpopular. Like, if you look at the makeup of the country, Mm -hmm. it's not very close. It's like... 55 45 or 60 40 depending on mm. which poll you're looking at mm-hmm. like if we just were going kind of based on purely like popular votes pop <laughs> let's say popular <laughs> votes uh you know there would be a lot less republican political power because the things they stand for are not broadly popular right um but because they do partisan gerrymandering everywhere that they can they have unfair advantages yes uh And, you know, Democrats have been working really, really hard to pass voting rights bills that would uh, make partisan gerrymandering completely illegal everywhere in the country. For any party. (laughs) For any party. And that's what Democrats want, and that's what Democrats are working to make happen. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen immediately, but the momentum is starting to be there, and that's really encouraging. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime... uh, It's really important that Democrats not unilaterally disarm. Right. So if Republicans are doing uh, partisan gerrymandering, it's really important that Democrats do it wherever possible just to help offset that what should be illegal partisan gerrymandering happening on the other side. Right. Because, like, if they do it and we don't do it, then they have an unfair advantage. If they do it and we also do it, at least we offset some of that unfair advantage and pull things back more toward the middle. Right. It's not a perfect solution, but I'm glad that they didn't take, like, something Democrat politicians, Democratic politicians do constantly is take the moral high road at the expense of actual outcomes. Yeah. And that's really, really bad to do. It's like just constant shooting yourself in the foot. Mm. And Democrats in New York State did not intentionally shoot themselves in the foot over moral high ground reasons. You know, and I, that's good. I understand the taking the moral high ground. And there's, I, I do have some level of respect for that. <laughs> I really do. Yep. But the, I think what changes that calculus for me is that we are currently in an era where, I mean, the Republican National Committee two days ago 
voted on and put out a resolution that said that the January 6th insurrection was, quote, legitimate political discourse. So, like, we're in a we're in a place right now, and the reason this changes the conversation for me is that we've got a whole party of people who just don't give a rip about the rule of law. Mm-hmm. They don't give a rip about democracy. They are they they are quickly maybe they've already become an anti democratic party. Yeah, and no, that horse is out of the barn. It is, and so that changes the calculus for me. Like, yes, the moral high ground is we should you know do nonpartisan. Uh, districting. Everybody should do that. Absolutely. Let's set the, the moral high ground to be like, well, let's do this by example. We're going to just do nonpartisan. Meanwhile, you've got a, another whole party who's brought a gun to a knife fight. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and you can't, if we care about actually preserving democracy, we can't just let people who are into one party minority authoritarian rule just set the rules for themselves and expect us to play fair. Like, we just can't do that. No. We can't disarm. No. So I'm with you. That is good news. Great. Excellent. What's uh, first on your list? <laughs> My first one is pretty... Uh, small, but also pretty big. Spring is coming. That is one of my good news machines. Yes. It is. So we went for a little day off adventure the other day. We were walking around the state park that we hadn't been to uh, near Olympia. And as we were coming out of the the hike, you're like, oh my gosh, there's flowers. And we look at the ground and there's these uh, uh, snowdrops, I guess is what they're called. Yes. And there were, but there were flowers coming out of the ground. It was the first thing I had seen blooming outside yes. this year. And, yes. I, and I can't tell you what joy those little blossoms gave me in that moment. And just like- this morning when you and I were leaving the house to drop off our uh, ballots, we have an election here in Washington today, uh, I saw, and then you saw uh, the first little, like, purple, like, are they bluebells? What did we plant? I don't really know what we they are. We planted them. No idea what they are. I know. But they're in our front flower bed, and they are sprouting up, like, multiple little teeny tiny purple blossoms. Little harbingers of spring. Yes. We have this phenomenon here in the Puget Sound area that's called false spring. Yeah. And it has arrived this week. Yeah. And all this kind of stuff happens during it. Uh it's, you know, it's ultimately a disappointment because then we just get another month and a half of really kind of crappy weather. No, 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 I'll take it. It's, it feels good. It feels like, and the days are getting longer. It's just, it's all good. It is all good. The sun set uh, after 5.30 this this week. That's amazing. It's just wonderful. It's light to pretty close to six. Wow. You know? Excellent. I will take it. So you have more good news, yeah? Yeah, I what do. Mine is also political in nature. Okay, uh, and it's just like an encouragement. I know that it's really easy if you are a non-Republican sort of person to feel very discouraged about the political landscape, mm. uh, especially coming into this midterm election, you know? Mm-hmm. Here's some good news about it. Okay. Democrats can maintain the Senate and expand our majority without competing in a single state Donald Trump won in 2020. Hey, that's good news. I'll it's take it. It's really good news. All of the key governor's races are happening in Biden country. That's great. That is a really, really big deal. We could actually protect democracy. Maybe we could. We could maybe do that. This is this is good news that would make that more possible. Yes. That's wonderful. And it's really great because we don't need to fight on enemy territory to do it. We just need to work really, really hard in generally friendly territory to A overcome uh, voter suppression laws, yeah. you know? Uh, B, turn out our base. Mm-hmm. C, make sure their votes are counted yeah. in a fair and legal way. Yeah. Those are not 
insignificant hurdles. No, we have work ahead of us. But we can do it. Yeah, that's good. It is good. All right, what's uh, what, what's your final I thing? Think on my your last list? bit of good news. I mine are just like really lightweight compared to yours compared to yours today, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, this other good news is that it's about to be Girl Scout cookie season. Oh, that's great news. <laughs> I'm going all in on the peanut butter ones this year. Okay, good. But also, I I learned also, this is part of the good news, that the Girl Scouts um, actively support transgender girls. Oh, how great. And they reject donations from anti-transgender organizations. Oh, how good. It's so like, good. Like the Boy Scouts. Well, the Boy Scouts are a whole other the whole other thing. So if you're in the Boy Scouts and you're trying to donate to the Girl Scouts, don't do it. They won't take your money. <laughs> oh, because the Boy Scouts are anti-transgender. That's what I'm oh, saying. I see what you're saying. Right. It's kind of right. terrible. Anyway, I thought this was a really good reason for everybody to buy extra Girl Scout cookies. Heck yes. <laughs> if they made like a cookie, just like a shortbread cookie that had like a trans flag icing on it. Oh, oh. That would be so good. Wouldn't that be cool? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, those, that's some good news. All right. Well, how about we get less dumb? Class, anyone? anyone? Let's do that. <laughs> All right. So, uh, do you have one? I do. So, this is, it's, it's pretty brief, um, uh, but it was an astonishing fact that I, when I heard it this week, I was like, really? Um, and I read it from a, t- a tweet from um, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal. She's a, a U.S. House representative from the Seattle area. Mm-hmm. Um, and she tweeted this week, if the 10 richest men mm-hmm. in our country lost 99.9% of their wealth, mm-hmm. okay, so 99.9% of their wealth, gone, they would still be in the top 1% richest people in our country. Oh, come on. Let me say that again. If the 10 richest men lost all but 0.01%, mm-hmm. no, 0.1% of their wealth, yes, they would still be in the top 1% wealthiest people in our country. Wow. That's insane. That's not good. We need a wealth tax. Yes. Anyway, that's it. What's your what's your less get let's less wow. dumb item for the day? I'm just day? still like reeling Are from you? yours. Okay, yeah. sorry about that. So so mine is uh, infuriating. Oh, that's <laughs> mine's good. actually just interesting. Okay, good. Um, so in ancient times, okay, maps were oriented toward the sun, or in other words, toward the east. So these days, oh. maps kind of like have north, north at the top. Yeah, but back in the day, they used to have. East at the top, like east was sort of the focus of things. Okay, so the sun, but the sun rises in the east. Yeah. So it was oriented toward the rising point of the sun? Yeah, totally. Okay. Because that's like where the good luck and good fortune comes from is like, you know, go like follow the sun, right? Okay, okay. Um, And this is why the far east became known as the Orient. Oh my gosh. Mind blown. What? Because it's like the logical terminus of what you're orienting your map toward. It is the Orient. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Isn't that amazing? So why did they change it? Because eventually they figured out magnetism in the North Pole. Oh, got it. And once like, because map making was largely like an abstract process is what I learned when I was reading about this this week. I feel like it probably still is in a lot of ways. Like Like, we think it's determinate, but it's probably a lot of like... Fudging. Mm, well, I mean, less so these days because of GPS and things like that. Maybe. I mean, satellites can determine 
physical contours to within, you know, a fraction of a meter. So I'm yes. guessing probably well, no. Well, no, I, yes, but also but representing all of that on a two-dimensional page is still, like... Yes. That there's some translation involved. Yes. Right? That's like, fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because what's that called? Cartesian, is it, coordinates? When you have to, like, map a three-dimensional space or a sphere onto a two-dimensional space. Oh, I don't space. know. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. Yeah, that's why Greenland looks so huge. It's not actually that big. It's just <laughs> up at the top of the map and everything gets stretchy. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but for example, like, in ancient, ancient China, okay. I learned the, the, the cutest thing. Uh their map, the way they drew their map is upside down from how we now understand the map. Okay. Because the north of China was where all the darkness was and the south of China was where all the, the like the light was coming from. Oh. All the lightness was. And they- Dark, rem- why? Like because of the latitude? Because this is very north. Oh, okay. Going the same way that Seattle's more dark than California, right? Right. And so because they like, for the same reasons that people like made maps that were oriented toward the east, because that's where the light's coming from in a certain way of looking at it, uh-huh. you know, because that's where the sun comes from. Generally speaking, they didn't want that. They didn't want to prioritize the, d- the dark part of their country. So they flipped their, the, in, in terms of what we now know uh-huh. is the correct orientation of a map with north being at the top, they flipped it upside down. So okay. south is the top. So so when so back to the the when when maps were oriented toward the east yes were those western maps people people in what we consider western countries orienting their maps that way because you just said that the ancient ancient chinese people oriented their maps to the, what we now know as the south this thing i read didn't address that oh, okay. I'm not sure yeah but it's really an interesting conversation in terms of perspective yeah. and values yeah like it's so really at like first it, it was really abstract it was totally values based Right. They're map making, you yeah. know, just basically like how do you prioritize, like what does direction mean to you in terms of things that have nothing to do with navigation? Right, right, really? right. Really, like right. Where, there's where the sun comes from, there's where it's more bright. That's what I prioritize. We'll put that on quote unquote top. Right. And so if, south becomes north if you're China. And, and when it's oriented toward the east, it's also there's where the sun comes from. Yeah. Like two different ways of prioritizing that. Yeah. So interesting. But then once they, once people figured out how to like actually navigate, Mm-hmm. You know, use specifically uh, using compasses, mm. which are magnetically oriented toward the the you know, polar, polar north. north. Mm-hmm. You know, at that point, it made sense to orient your maps in the same way, so that it would kind of like line up with your compasses. Interesting. And that's when maps became standardized toward polar north, and that's when north went on top. Very interesting. And so that's word, why we call it the Orient. So the word Orient is a Western word for. Uh, the the far east. And now I'm yeah. like questioning what what I'm calling things because right, <laughs> yeah. And it's weird. It's like it makes it almost sound like I, we have become habituated to the idea that saying Oriental for Asian people uh-huh. like has a racist undertone. But this knowledge kind of undermines that well, thought. Well, no, me. I think it reinforces it actually oh, because it's a Western word to describe people. It's not their own word to describe themselves. Oh, fair. You know, does that make sense? Fair, I yeah. suppose. But also words take on meaning. But also, like, t- we say that French people are French, but they don't. They say they're Francoise, or are we being racist to French people? That's that just, kind of falls apart. But that's just a language translation. That's not, like, a, a whole other word. Yeah. I think it's different. But also, words take on meaning, and words can take on meanings that are that are derogatory, mm-hmm. even if they didn't initially become, originate as yeah. such. Anyway. Super interesting. Very I, interesting. I do feel a little less dumb. Great. Thank you. Happy to be of service. <laughs> so how about we uh, dive into the suggestion box? I want to speak to you, manager, now, please. I have an item for the suggestion box. Really? You I got would, a complaint? I would like to speak to the manager about 
unsolicited advice. Oh, I would, man. I would like to ask that, that there be no more unsolicited advice, please. Um, that sounds fair. It does. It, it is, it's fair, right? Um, so we had an experience this week where somebody like called up to give some unsolicited advice. And I actually wasn't the person on the phone. I could hear the whole conversation just because the person was talking loudly enough that I could hear you at up to up to your ear, you know? Yeah. Um, but it, it was just a really interesting experience. I don't need to describe the situation itself, but I found myself just like welling up with like rage <laughs> this situation as I was listening because this person was not leading with like a tone of curiosity or right. like trying to understand something. They just thought they had a better idea of, of like didn't even bother to ask really many questions, but just was launching into what they thought about a situation that you and I are involved in. And and I just was like, oh my gosh. It was just, it felt condescending. Mm -hmm. It felt disempowering. It, it took all the wind out of my sails for this thing that we were working on. It's true. And, and, I, and I thought to myself, you know, I, I was otherwise feeling really encouraged and motivated. And like, it was just like, oh my gosh, so deflating. And in the moment, I realized, we talked about it afterwards. I reacted a lot more strongly than you did yeah. to the situation. Um, but I wondered about the fact of, of like, I've experienced this kind of thing a lot over the years from men, like my entire life, from men specifically. Yeah. Um, and to be super clear, like this conversation that Shannon's alluding to, uh, it was with another musician about how we were approaching a business thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like it is about like pursuing this radio thing. Basically, this friend called up to be like, like we, we, we've been chatting over text and I've mentioned that like, you know, dreading, you know, reaching out to radio, but feel like we need to. And he called me to be like, don't do it. Don't do that. Here's all the reasons that's a waste of your time. Yeah. And I, I don't, I disagree. It, totally. Right. Right. But also it's just like, it's like Shannon's saying, really just not someone's place to like, you know, to approach things that way. Right. And I'm not here to rag on this person at all. That's not my point. Like, my, And they're a dear friend. Yes. Yeah. But it was just, it was one of those things that like, I had a strong emotional reaction to it because I've experienced this, experienced this quite a lot. Like someone who dares to put herself, you know, in front of groups of people and perform mm -hmm. things that she's written. Like, it puts you in a position where a lot of guys like to share their thoughts. <laughs> and it's really frustrating. You guys, Shannon has this one person, like, peripherally connected to us on Facebook. I don't even remember his name, and it's, I wouldn't say it on here if I did. But, like, almost literally every <laughs> single time he sees a picture of her with a microphone, he's like... Now, remember what we talked about, about microphone technique. Oh, my gosh. And he's wrong, but, like, it doesn't matter. He's not even a performing musician. Yeah. He's just a guy with an idea. Yeah, yeah. It's so, like, even as a guy, I'm like, dude, this right. is so maddening. And so I, do, I would like to speak to the manager and say, please, no more unsolicited advice. But, but I also recognize, like that I don't have control over what other people do. And, you know, people will continue to do this. But it did give me an opportunity to examine myself a little bit and be like, okay, like, I, I really don't ever want to be the person to make somebody else feel the way that I felt in that exchange. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want to ever make somebody feel discouraged, disempowered, condescended to. So, like, I, I, I really sort of turned it into, like, a okay, well, 
if I ever feel the urge to do something mm-hmm. like that, like what could I do instead? And I think honestly, just mo- mostly just shut your mouth. Like honest, most of the time that's the way, the right way to go yeah. is just shut your mouth. If it's not your business, yeah. then, then it's like not- a really easy flow chart where the top, there's just like a square pointing down at a circle with an arrow that connects it to it. <laughs> and in a square, it says, should I offer my unsolicited opinion or advice and then the arrow points down to a circle that just says no. No. (laughs) Yeah. That's That's it. That's really kind of it. I can see, I can see uh, in in certain trusted relationships Mm -hmm. wanting to have a conversation with somebody if you don't understand where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. And, And that's a whole other scenario though because you're not, you're not like assuming you know better and you're telling the person what to, what to do or what yeah. you think they should do, but you're engaging in conversation that is led with curiosity and you're asking questions that is seeking understanding and, and, and also with empathy leading the way. Like it's not with, you know, I know better. I'm going to tell you what I think you ought to do. It's more of a genuinely trying to understand where the other person's coming from and not even for the goal of changing their mind because that's well, again not your business explicitly not, not for that my business. like if you're entering into a, a quote unquote conversation like where, where you're quote unquote asking questions of somebody but the only reason you're doing it is because you think they're wrong and you want to just lead them to that oh, trough that's manipulation that's ma- manipulation yeah, yeah and you can't do that something that Shannon and I have to deal with a lot in our lives is watching uh younger musicians, you know, people who are further behind us on the path that we're on, fucking up, you know? Oh, sure. Making clear and obvious mistakes. Things that we know from our hard-earned experience, from having tried these things ourselves and reaped what now in retrospect are the obvious negative consequences or lack of positive consequences. Yeah, It's very tempting to us just to want to be like, you shouldn't even bother doing that. It's not going to get you where you think it's going to. And it's going to waste a lot of your time and energy. Mm -hmm. But like... You just can't say that kind of thing to people. Well, yeah. And again, there's like, we do a lot of mentoring of other artists. There's, you know, when somebody's inviting your your words of experience, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a whole other scenario. Yeah. And I think that there are also moments when, uh, honestly, if, if, if in this situation this last week, if the friend had said, you know, I, I noticed you, you know, this thing that you were doing and I have some personal experience with it that I would love to share with you. Even if he had come with that right. frame, yeah, at least let you and let, let let us invite him in. Then we could have been like, yeah, because then we totally. have the agency and we're inviting him in. Exactly, or I like totally hear your experience, and that was my, you know, my that's been my experience too. Mm-hmm. But here's what's different in this scenario for us, yeah. you know, like like it invites conversation and yeah. not just a. a talking down to, you know? Yeah, no one likes being lectured. No. And I've learned in my experience mentoring that like, even if I have been invited into a relationship in someone's life where I'm a long-term mentor of theirs, Mm. that's not necessarily transferable across even other music-related aspects of their existence. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, if I am mentoring someone on engineering and production, you know, Mm -hmm. and we have been doing that for a year and we have a really tight relationship, Mm -hmm. if I subsequently see this person promoting their music in a way that I just know from experience will absolutely waste a ton of time, will absolutely net them zero long-term results. Mm. It's still not my place to be like, hey, in this other area. By the way. Here, yeah, here's some <laughs> others. Here's something else I noticed. And like you said, I can be like, 
Hey, I noticed that you were working on promotion. I had some thoughts about it. If you'd like to hear them, I'm happy to share. If you'd rather not, that's totally cool. Uh, let me know, you know? Sure. And then if they want to invite that, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and, and but I, it's just because I'm mentoring them in one place, and that mm. is the... So the, the entire basis of our relationship, mm. it still doesn't give me carte blanche to like just barge into every other area of their life. <laughs> By the way, I've noticed in your personal life, you seem yeah. to be really effing up. I, I have some advice for you. You yeah. can use a haircut. <laughs> Do bangs work for you? You should be asking yourself that. <laughs> and also, I want to just say, it's I, I, I'm, I'm looking at myself in these in this because I know I've not done this perfectly no. in my life. I know I've messed up on this front a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm asking myself and all of you and the manager, please, no more unsolicited advice. All right. That <laughs> okay. sounds fair to me. <laughs> Great. Uh, do you have any, any, uh, uh, any notes for the manager this week? No, you know what? I've got no complaints. No suggestions? Everything, everything seems like it's going fine. Oh, that's good. So why don't we uh, distribute some gold stars? Hey, let's do that. All right, it's time for Where's My Gold Star? <laughs> all right, what you got? Okay, um... It's kind of silly. And you actually just set me up a moment ago. You didn't realize it. Great. Um, my gold star My gold star request is that I have been cutting my own hair and I feel cute. And I would like a gold star for that, please. That's wonderful. <laughs> you do look cute. You get a gold star. <laughs> and I do have bangs. You just set up the whole conversation about haircuts. Like shockingly well. I know, right? It was, yeah. You didn't even know. You didn't even know that was coming. Yeah. yeah I, it, was, it started out as sort of like a pandemic necessity yep. to to cut our own hair here. Sure. Well, you've been doing your own hair for a long time. Yeah. Just because. And then I was doing yours a little bit, but then you got inspired and started doing your own. I know. And it's really quite fun. And mm-hmm. I think I'm doing a pretty good job. You're doing so great. gold star for me. Gold star for you. Thank you. What's yours? What's yours? Okay. So what I would like a gold star for uh-huh. is I finally figured out the beginning of your new song. Awesome. I know. And I feel very proud of myself because I used really an underutilized tool, mm. which is time and distance oh. and just stepping away oh. and coming back. Getting some perspective. Getting some perspective, mm-hmm. you know? Sometimes if you work on something too much, like you just start to take it for granted and like mm. you, it's, it sounds normal to you, even if there's something that mm. needs fixing in it, you don't necessarily hear that. You're too much in its world mm-hmm. to get good perspective on yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And it was like a really subtle thing. It turns out that for the first verse, mm. I needed to turn up the bass synthesizer, okay, and all of the vocals. Well, by two decibels and one decibel respectively. That's it, and that's it. And it was like just do that little automation. Just literally like lift them up for the first like you know twenty seconds of the song, uh-huh. and everything snapped into place. Done it just, and it done. wasn't coming in hitting hard enough. That's all it was. Okay. And well, it's got a middle kind of energy, so the concept of hitting hard is like kind of a nebulous one, and I wasn't really getting my head around it. Uh-huh. Like I thought that because you were kind of coming in subtle with your delivery, I, like I was kind of coming in subtle with the instrumentation. Uh-huh. Turns out it wasn't serving the the energy that needed to happen at the song. Like it needed to be more intense, even if mm. it was restrained. Mm-mm. And once I figured that out, everything clicked into place, and very proud. Hey, gold star for you. Well, thank you so much. You know, I've been thinking about this gold star topic uh-huh. and thinking that I want to start uh, periodically opening up a where is my gold star question in our Misfit Stars social network. So Great people idea. can share their own little 
celebrations of successes in their lives. We, we can, could even make a topic for it so people can tag a post with that. Okay, we should do that. Oh, man. Yeah. By the it. way, I just want to pause for a second since you mentioned it. Anyone listening who's a supporting member of Misfit Stars but who isn't active in the uh, Misfit Stars social network, I would really encourage you to revisit that. Mm. A lot of you set up an account when you first, uh, you know, became yeah. supporters of Misfit Stars but then, like, have never been in there, right. you know? I would really encourage you to, like, go spend a little time in there. The core group that has sort of colonized the space it has done such a great job of making it be this wonderful, supportive, calm, welcoming, nurturing mm -hmm. space. The vibe is just so chill and uplifting mm -hmm. and good. And if people need to talk about serious stuff, which which they do now with some frequency, they can do so knowing that they are going to be lifted up mm -hmm. and supported. Uh, they're going to be heard. They're going to be seen. No one's going to mansplain shit to them. <laughs> but sometimes people will offer constructive ideas that seem very helpful a or lot of the time. share their own related experience. Yep. It's lovely. It's a really, really nice space. I don't know if you all have noticed, but Facebook is falling apart. Yeah. You know, and that's pretty soon probably going to be more of a government mandated thing. But also because of what a bad actor Facebook is, a lot of really great people, people that I used to love seeing on there are just mm -hmm. no longer there. Yeah. You know, and I know that some of them are in the Misfit Star supportive community. Yeah, we which see means there. you have access that you are paying for yeah, totally. to this amazing mm -hmm. private social network. You should really like give it a, another look. That's a really good point. And also one way to sort of keep yourself coming back is when you go into the Misfit Star social network, uh, set up your notifications so that you're notified when people post yeah. things because it draws you back in. It reminds yeah. you, oh yeah, this is this thing I like to be part of and, and I want to... Specifically, you know. like do the app on your phone. Oh, yeah. The, the notifications are really good in the app. This, it does have email notifications, but they're kind of scattershot and clunky. It's really mm. an app-optimized yeah, experience sure. uh, as far as the notifications go. Cool. I actually prefer engaging with the social network. Like if I have something I need to type, I'll do it on the laptop. Yeah. And the web experience, the browser experience is still really nice, yeah. but the app experience is just real good. It is great. And the notifications come right to the front of your phone, and they show up as being from the Misfit Star social network with a little M. It's so And good. it's just so cute it's and so great. great. It's like your own personal, private, little social experience. It's wonderful. It's kind of like what the internet was back in the 90s. Like, all that promise of being able to connect with like-minded people mm. before it just became data harvesting and mm -hmm. social manipulation. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's really, really nifty. So, uh, you know, if you're in Misfit Stars, uh, you know, if you're in our supportive community and you want to re-engage with this, just reach out to one of us if you need help. You can email me about it, jamie at misfitstars.com, J-A-M-I-E at misfitstars.com. And, you know, if, if you're like, hey, how, how do I get back in? It's easy to do. I'll point you in the right direction. Uh, Come on in, the water's warm. The water's real warm. Yeah. It's, it's real nice. Yeah. So, uh, this feels important. Please hold for a very important message. Yeah. What's important to you this week that we need to talk about, Jamie So, Hill? mine is not happy news. Right, okay. Uh, the Supreme Court... Uh, this week stopped a lower court order requiring Alabama to draw a new district voting map favorable to black residents. Uh, and so what this means, basically, the context here is that uh, the Supreme Court has been doing this kind of like ongoing 
project for the last like 10 or so years, since 2013, of dismantling the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Mm -hmm. That's really bad. The reason the Voting Rights Act of 1965 was enacted in the first place is because states were just blowing off the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments. They just <laughs> really didn't want black people to be able to vote in a representative kind of way. Right. The project of the racist South, ever since the Reconstruction era, has been to minimize, if not completely remove, black people's mm -hmm. ability to vote for their own representatives, people mm -hmm. who they want representing them. Mm -hmm. And so over the past like decades since the last census, you know, so every 10 years is a census, right? Every decade on the decade. Right. So, you know, 1980, 1990, 2000, 2010, and then we just had one in 2020, right? And then the following year, uh, 2021 uh, in this case, uh, state legislatures basically figure out what the census was, what, uh, like how populations moved around over the last decade, where populations grew, where they, you know, diminished, whatever, and they draw new, uh, new maps, new apportionment maps. And basically, the rules, generally speaking, are that you have to have an equal number of residents per district, mm -hmm. you know. But people have learned how to do gerrymandering, right? Which is carving up districts in such a way that. You can ensure who gets elected. You can ensure who gets elected. And they do it by, uh, especially with like black or minority residents or Democratic voters in general, by doing what's called cracking and packing, right? Right. And so you pack as many voters of one persuasion, you know, the ones who you don't want to have power, as you can into one district. So they're all in one district and they might all vote. Like they might elect someone to their legislative seat with like 99% of the vote because right. they all are the same kind of voter, right. right? And so if you put all the Democrats, all the black voters, whatever it is in one district, then there's hardly any of them in the other districts. And so the black voice, like there might be black people living in that town, but the dividing line goes through the black community and siphons it off in this other district mm -hmm. so they don't get to vote in their own community. It's really... It dilutes their power. It dilutes, it dilutes their, their voting power. power. And so in Alabama, over the last 10 years since the previous census, uh, the white population went down something like 4%, and the mm. black population went up something like 4%. Like there was just a, you know, natural birth, death, cycles, whatever. You mm -hmm. know, there are more black people now uh, than there were and fewer white people. And black people now represent 27% of the population. Of in, Alabama. Of Alabama. So now Alabama has seven uh, congressional seats, mm -hmm. right? With the real, like that's just like how many they get based on their population as a percentage of the population right. of the country, right. right? And so by rights, black people should uh, be the majority voters in two of those districts. Right. Two out of seven is about a quarter, about 27%. If you were just looking at percentages. Yeah, yeah, right? And so that would be what is kind of fair, you know? Mm -hmm. And the whole point of the Voting Rights Act was to make it so that black people could be fairly represented. Right. Because the whole point of the white project was to make it so black people were not fairly represented. Right. Uh, specifically, Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, uh, it applied a nationwide prohibition of the denial or abridgment of the right to vote on account of race or color, right? right? right. And it really closely followed the language of the uh, 15th Amendment. Like, it was right. really specifically tied to the 15th Amendment, right? Which is what made it illegal to discriminate, you know, for voting on the basis of race or, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, race or color. And so that's 
that, and that, that section of the Voting Rights Act still stands. The Supreme mm-hmm. Court has been going through and just one by one gutting right. different provisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they famously gutted Section 5 uh, in 2013, mm-hmm. um, which is what allowed this flood of, of voter disenfranchisement laws to happen since 2013. Right. I mean, literally the same day that the Supreme <laughs> Court handed down that decision, Texas put into place a new voter ID law. Like, right. it wasn't subtle. Right. It was obvious, you know? No. No, this is what the this is what the the conservative movement has been working for for decades. Though yeah. they've been working for decades to get uh, an extreme majority on the Supreme Court, so that they can essentially undo all of the progress we've made in voting rights since the 1960s. And they're succeeding. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're they are succeeding. They are succeeding, and it's a uh, it's. It's it's really, really concerning. So basically, uh, Alabama, the legislature, which is overwhelmingly Republican, mm-hmm. uh, because of concentrated gerrymandered power to some degree, right? right? Yeah. Uh, they approved a new uh, district voting map that had only one uh, black majority district, right? right? And so uh, that was sued against. And a lower court uh, decided unanimously. So it was a three-person mm-hmm. panel of a federal appeals court, mm-hmm. uh, two Trump-appointed judges, and one one Barack Obama appointed judge, right? And they unanimously said, no, this is totally messed up. You can't do this. This is illegal. You can't do this. You can't do this. And indeed, you have to go back. You have to do one with two black majority districts to match the population. Uh Otherwise, you're purposely disenfranchising black voters, which is in violation of Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, meaning it's illegal. It's against the law. When we say that something is in violation of Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, an act is a law. So if something (laughs) is in violation of a law, it's illegal, which means it's a crime, right? right? It's not like some like, oh, like highfalutin intellectual thing. It's a crime. It's against the law. Mm -hmm. And so this was appealed, though, by the state of Alabama to the the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court stayed that lower court order. And so basically they said, no, go ahead, Alabama, for the 22 elections and ongoing, you can have this uh, totally illegal. And this is really, really worrying because this is like just another one in a sort of rapidly Mm. occurring series of Supreme Court decisions Mm -hmm. where they refuse to overturn something that's illegal. Another one is the... uh, Texas abortion. Texas abortion. Yeah. And and what's another layer of of disconcerting a disconcerting aspect of this, I guess, is that they're not actually... they're, They're... They're they're using what they're what they call their shadow docket to do this. So they're not actually having people coming in and arguing both sides of these debates. They're just making these decisions without actually holding proceedings on these decisions. And you know, for to be fair, to be perfectly fair, this is a very, very time-sensitive situation. And in time-sensitive situations, the court will often issue emergency rulings. So this was an emergency ruling. It was, but they could have issued an emergency ruling upholding the lower court's unanimous bipartisan decision. You're right about that. They but they didn't because they want to shred the Voting Rights Act. Yeah. They have they're clearly signaling that they're that they're prepared to uh, to eliminate that that one aspect of the Voting Rights Act that has still remained in effect. Yeah. and it's like, really sneaky because, you know, like Justice Kavanaugh was like, we're not making a f- permanent decision right now. We're just saying that, like, let's leave it the way it is for right now because it's too close to the primary elections to be changing around districts, but we're going to hear this in the fall. But what that means mm. is that they're not going to make an actual decision about this until after this election. Right. You know, so it won't necessarily be completely meaningless. I mean, I... 
tend to agree with Shannon that probably what they will do is say, nah, you guys go ahead. We don't care about this. We don't believe in the Voting Rights Act. Well, but, yeah, they've demonstrated that they don't yeah. care about so, it. So it's, but, you know, in the short term, what it means is that the 2022 midterm election can go through with this completely illegal yeah. partisan gerrymander map. And it's a racial gerrymander, which is the most morally messed up kind. Mm -hmm. So... I don't know. It feels important. It Felt is. Felt like we had to talk about it. Yeah. It brings me no pleasure, but yeah. there, we, there we have it. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Do you uh, have one? I do. So um, the, we really need uh, our lawmakers, like, on a nationwide basis to outlaw no-knock warrants. Oh, my gosh, yes. Police warrants. Because uh, you probably have heard of this in the news. There was uh, an yet another situation in um, Minnesota this last week where police shot and killed 22-year-old Amir Locke yeah. while executing a no-knock search warrant in which Locke was not even named. He wasn't no. even named in the warrant. So this is a, like almost the exact situation that happened to Breonna Taylor yeah. a few years ago in uh, uh, Louisville. Louisville, right. These, the, uh, Amir, like Breonna Taylor, Amir Locke was asleep. Mm -hmm. and Sleeping on the couch. And... Uh, police just barged into his apartment. He has no idea what's going on. No. He happened to have a registered firearm, which he reached for because... People are breaking into his people house. People are breaking into his house. With no announcement. Exactly. Yeah. And... Um, so they saw a black guy with a gun and shot him. Today. Well, and he didn't... He had reached for it. He didn't even... He didn't shoot it. He didn't even have it like... He didn't I, even get to it all yeah, the way. Yeah. And, and they shot and killed him. Yeah. And... It is just insane to me. I, I, maybe I should have used a different word. It is absolutely unconscionable mm -hmm. that police are able to just waltz into people's houses. There's a reason we have warrants. Yeah. Like you have to have. There's a, a reason, reason we have a Fourth Amendment. You have to re you have to have a reason to to search a, you know somebody's property, but like to be able to barge in with no notice. Well, of course the people inside are thinking they're being like assaulted. Like yeah. they don't know they are being assaulted by the police, but yeah. like they have no reason to believe. Like it's just it is it is unconscionable that this young man is no longer with us because. Of this policy, it is. It seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, police should not be able to just barge into the house whenever they want, however they want. Like I, we need to put an end to this. Yeah. Like it feels, it feels like it is an essential way to protect human life. Like I, it is. It's it's senseless. It is senseless violence, and and it happens most often to people of color and. We need to. We need our leaders to actually do something about this and yeah. make this illegal. Yeah. Ah. And you know what? I know that the opposing viewpoint on this will be, well, we need to have the element of surprise for violent criminals. Like, what if Al Capone was inside a house and you know he has time to get his gun or whatever? I'm sympathetic to that, but I just don't feel like that is more important than the sanctity of human life. Preserving innocent life. Yeah. Or any, uh, preserving any life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it makes it more dangerous for everyone. And it makes it more dangerous for completely uninvolved bystanders. Yeah. Brianna Taylor and Amir Locke, both of those people are dead because of this practice. Yeah. It's not, it's not okay. No, it's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we really need some inspiration. Can we, can we, can we turn the corner to the Inspiration Station? Heck yeah. Inspiration Station. All right. I've got one. Okay, what do you have? Mine is this lovely Zen Buddhist, uh, just like a little meditation, really. Um, 
So I get this uh, thing in my email. It's called the Rigpa Glimpse of the Day. Mm -hmm. And it's just a little Zen Buddhist thought. That's all it is. And the one from uh, February 2nd was just really special to me. Mm -hmm. And also, coincidentally, really ties in 100% to the thesis statement for your album, mm -hmm. uh, as expressed in your song, Take It If You Want It. Uh, something you're talking about a lot in that song is about clutching. You literally, in the bridge of the song, you're like, clutching is killing me. I've got to let go. Stop trying to control things. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. So here is this little, uh, this little passage, and I just wanted to share this with people. Mm -hmm. Grasping is the source of all our problems. Since impermanence to us spells anguish, we grasp onto things desperately, even though all things change. We are terrified of letting go, terrified, in fact, of living at all, since learning to live is learning to let go. Mm -hmm. And this is the tragedy and the irony of our struggle to hold on. Not only is it impossible, but it brings us the very pain we are seeking to avoid. Mm. The intention behind grasping may not in itself be bad. There's nothing wrong with a desire to be happy. But what we try to grasp onto is by nature ungraspable. Mm. Yeah, that's really lovely. Isn't that great? Mm-hmm. Really great. Man. Uh, mine is related, like very closely to yours, Whoa, actually. that's weird. It's very interesting, right? So... um you know that uh, the Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh passed away just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And so people have been sharing lots of uh, quotes. He did a lot of writing, you know, in the over the course of his life. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple of his books upstairs that I've read. And, yeah. Um, but, but I've been seeing a lot of quotes of his uh, online since his passing. Yeah. And he was an endless source of epigrams. Oh, yeah. Like if there is going to be a picture of like pastel reeds with like, five inspirational lines. It's like 50% odds. It was from Tip Not <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, this one really um, is very much related to what you just shared and also very much uh, specifically related to the new the new song that I'm working on. Um, it, it will be song three for this album project. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to give too much away, but um, this, is, this is the quote. It says, uh, letting go gives us freedom. And freedom is the only condition for happiness. If in our heart we still cling to anything, anger, anxiety, or possessions, we cannot be free. And um, I, without giving away too much, I'm really in this next, this next song grappling with the idea of what it does to me when I hang on to things like anger and fear. And uh, I really appreciated seeing this quote because it's very much aligned with what I'm working through. Um, I love it. The song. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, that's great. I feel mm -hmm. very inspired. Mm-hmm. So uh, how about we finish up with a gratitude crank up? Let's. Um, so I, uh, to, to bring it, to stay on the topic of this new album project and and all that. My my item for the gratitude crank up today is I'm really grateful for the number of people, for the people who have decided to join me on this journaling journey that we talked about. Yeah. Like, I'm just feeling really, um, it feels like a validation that what I'm aiming to explore with this with this project is something that actually means something to other people too. It's you resonating. Know? It's, yeah, and that, yeah. I'm really grateful for that. Um, and I'm also grateful for their trust 
mm-hmm. in joining me in this. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, f- I feel that that's a very precious thing uh, to be given, given um, someone's trust yes. to guide you through something like this, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and, and related to all that also, I am also uh, extremely grateful for the community of people who support us and our work, yeah. our Misfit Stars community. Um, the reason I get to uh, create projects like this and invite people into the experience like this and do all of this is directly because of the support that we get from our Misfit Stars. And yes. like, I am just deeply, deeply grateful yeah. that they have given me the opportunity to do this. Yeah. So thank you, Misfit Stars. I'm grateful for you. Very cool. How about you? So I am grateful this week because uh, I finally uh, had a long overdue phone call uh, just last night, actually, in which I laid firm plans with a dear friend to make a record that I'm very excited about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's just really great. Uh, It's with my dear friend, our dear friend, uh, Ben Shaw. I made a really, really, really cool record with him in 2015. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we were both living in Los Angeles at the time. And then uh, he, made, he made his next record. He had moved back to Wisconsin where he's from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had put himself together a band to play live with. And he just made his next record with them. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of much more of a live, you know, in the studio kind of thing. Um, and I'm glad he had that experience. I'm also really glad that he's... Uh, that we're putting the band back together. Him and, him and me. <laughs> he, and, he and I made a really, really cool record. It's, it's a great record. <clears throat> it's called Feet to the Fire. We made it really, really quickly. We made it on a budget. We made it fast. Uh, but it stands up. He's just such a good songwriter. He's got such a neat voice. Uh, just getting older and leatherier and bassier and deeper and funkier and weirder the older he gets. You know, mm-hmm. just so much... So much lived experience inside of his voice. You know, it's a really cool instrument. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's really into a lot of the same sonic kind of stuff that I am. Um, He's real into like, you know, Pink Floyd and like Granddaddy and, you know, just stuff like that where there's just tons and tons of little production things happening, just little interesting things to listen to. and he really explicitly wants to make this record very ambitious. It's a concept album by nature, uh, which I'm so into, especially given that that's what you and I have been doing basically since 2015 mm-hmm. and very intentionally for the last few years. Um, it's really cool. I'm really excited about it. Uh, it's I, I really cleared a lot of energy in the universe out just to make space for this record to happen with him. You know, mm-hmm. like... Uh, I'm really just right now, I've got your record and I've got his record. I have other work that I'm doing, but as far as records, I mm. really just reserved the energy for that to be just you and him, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's all it all seems like it's going to work out pretty well. And I'm just really excited about it. Very grateful to have the opportunity to make some art with a human being whom I love, who makes music that I like. Cool. Yeah. I'm excited for it too. Yeah, me too. Right on. Well, thank you, Jamie, for the good conversation today. Hey, you too. Brawling conversation. Thank you, listeners, and, for tuning in. And thank you, Misfit Stars community, for supporting the work that we do. This podcast is made possible by the support that we get from our Misfit Stars community. I know that like Misfit Stars community could make it sound to someone who's listening like, oh, that's someone other than me. But it's not. It's just the <laughs> name that we give affectionately to the people who support our work. Yeah. But we need more people to support our work. We are, we're growing what we do all of the time. Uh, and it's important to us that we have as, like, like, 
it's important to us financially because like people supporting us is how we like just like remain living indoors and stay eating yeah. food and not living in a cardboard box down by the river. And that's important. But also like spiritually, mm. you know, energetically speaking, the more people who we have co-creating this work with us, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, when people support us, that's what you're doing. Yeah. You're helping bring this stuff in the world. You're like yeah. a midwife. You're helping birth it. Yeah. And energetically, spiritually speaking, the more people we have behind us as we go out with you and do this work in the world, the more that work can manifest in the world. Mm. So, you know, to those of you who are listening, who have been long-term listeners, who love what we do, who feel supportive of the work that we're doing, of Shannon's music, of my mentorship, of the albums that we make, of the work that I get to do with other people, uh, you know, the stuff that we write, the, uh, the, the journaling prompts that Shannon gives you, all of it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're someone who feels supportive of it, but hasn't yet become tangibly supportive of it, we would really like to invite you to become part of our team in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an important part of how we make all of this work. Mm-hmm. So you can do that at misfitstars.com support. Mm-hmm. We would be very grateful for it. And you get to, you get to have that good feeling of actually being part of this too, you yeah. know, and not just kind of like peering in the window, mm-hmm. but actually being on yeah. the team. Yeah. And we would love to have you join the team. And also, it's a great way to get yourself into the Misfit Star social network, which is just it's become this thriving, it's lovely, beautiful little place. Uh, can't tell you how much we love it in there, how wonderful it is, and how much we would love for you to be a part of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's great to be connected with people on Facebook. We're so grateful that so many of you were there. Also, you know, we saw what happened to MySpace. <laughs> we, we understand that as permanent as these things may seem in the moment, they can change quickly, mm, you know? Yeah. And they can disintegrate quickly. And if you don't have already in mind what the next place is where you're going to be nurturing your online community, you're going to be left out in the cold. That ha- that experience happened to a lot of us back in the MySpace transition because it wasn't really a transition, it just ended. Yes, that's and why it, we've made a space for yeah. our Misfit Stars people so we can continue to nurture those meaningful connections with each other Yeah, that's not dependent on some corporation that may go belly side up yeah. any moment now. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. So jump on in. We would love to have you. Misfitstars.com slash support. Mm-hmm. And... Thank you very much. Yeah. We will be back next week with more of this kind of goodness. Can you believe that we'll be back in just one little week? (laughs) So I'm already excited. Until then, we hope that you will take uh, good care of yourselves and be good to each other. Yeah, we love you all. See you later. See ya.